The scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter, verses 68 through 79, and it reads, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that he would be that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestors Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace." The word of God for the people of God. God. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for this day. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us as we await your word. Lord, speak to our hearts and our minds like never before. Allow this word to expand in such a way that as we leave this place, we leave stronger and more equipped to do what you have called us to do. God, in this moment, I simply ask that you would help us. Lord, we know that you have blessed us, that you already are in the process of keeping us. Lord, we know that we are victorious, God. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I must warn you, today I'm going to use a lot of scripture. And the reason being, I really feel like I could read Luke, the first chapter, and just sit down, and it would preach itself. Luke, the, the, the first chapter, is, is so uh, full of different things that, that, that even though we start at the end, I feel it fitting to jump back to the beginning. You see, prior to the verses we just read, we find the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. We are all informed that they are the parents of John the Baptist. However, the story has much more to it than just that. Zacharias and Elizabeth were seen as righteous in the sight of God, but they had no kids because Elizabeth was barren. Zacharias was a priest, and one day while performing his priestly duties in the temple, an angel appeared to him and said, Your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. It is said, and you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. There is joy in the promise. 
Zacharias, knowing the natural limitations on he and his wife, based on their age, asked, how could this be? The angel then says to him, my name is Gabriel, and I, I have brought this message to you, but since you will not believe it, you shall be silent until such time as all of this comes to pass. When Zacharias left the temple, he, he wasn't able to give the, the benediction as he, the people were probably waiting for him to give. He was actually unable to speak, and all they knew was that he had witnessed something, he had seen something, and then some days later, his wife got pregnant. And she was so excited. She was liberated at the thought that, G that God would grant her such favor. Then the angel appears to marry her relative and tells her that she is also going to have a son and his name shall be Jesus. He says, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Once again, there's promise. Mary, knowing her natural limitations on her, based on her virginity, acts, how could this be? Now we find that these two stories are paralleling one another. Amen. They, they seem to be running side by side, and all of a sudden the angel sends her to her relative Elizabeth, and the stories be begin to connect. You see, when their stories connect, the promise is then activated. The Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth when she hears the voice of Mary coming through the door. And John, her son, leaps in her womb, and she begins to prophesy, and she says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She goes on to say, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by her Lord. You see, it is in this time that, that, that things begin to shape and things begin to shift and the joy in Mary's promise is now activated and she also proclaims and says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on me, this humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations shall call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those who are humble of state. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he has spoke to our fathers as he has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. My God, there's promise. The story goes on, and Elizabeth gives birth to her promise. Customary to the tradition of that time, on the eighth day, John was to be circumcised and named. Because his father at the time was mute, there was controversy on what the baby should be called. They felt like the people felt like it should be named after his father, but they proclaimed that his name shall be 
John. You see, even though there was controversy over the naming, it, it, it's funny to me, it, it's exciting to me, it is amazing to me that once the blood was shed, once circumcision took place, once the covenant was in place, that covenant activated the joy in Zechariah's promises. And he opens his mouth for the very first time and proclaims the scripture that we read today. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has spoken by the mouths of the holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins. You see, it is in this moment that Zacharias begins to give the benediction that I believe has been bubbling inside of him from the point in which he went mute in the temple until this point. He, he, he has this benediction, this, this blessing, this excitement, this celebratory statement that he has been holding on to as the Lord has let him see his promise stack on top of promise, surrounding promise, covered in promise. All of these months, it is this benediction that comes out of his mouth in this moment that, that now gives us the promise that we stand on today. It is that benediction, that, that, that thing that he has said that has sparked something mighty with the people that are under the sound of his voice. Many may ask, why am I calling this a benediction? It is not just the ending of a thing, but it's the beginning of a thing, and that is what the benediction is. As an example, when we, we come here and, and we hear of God's goodness and we hear of God's grace and we gather the things that God has for us and the pastor stands up and gives the benediction, it is the end of the service, but it is the beginning of your missionary journey as you walk outside of these walls to spread the gospel. It is the beginning and the ending at the same time. You see, this benediction that Zacharias gives closes the chapter where sin and death seems to condemn us and opens the chapter where God's grace and mercy saves us. It is this benediction that, that proclaims the end of what the enemy thought could be his victory and the beginning of the reign of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is the close of the anticipation of what God has promised through generation to generation and the beginning of seeing that promise living and breathing among us. You see, in this moment, God fulfills the promise that was left bubbling for generations, the promise that he gave to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, the promise that the Messiah was on his way, the promise that God had not forgotten about them. It is in this revelation that Mary and Elizabeth seem to have that, that, that the Holy Spirit engulfs them and activates the joy in their promise. That It is in this revelation that Zacharias has that the joy of his promise seems to be activated and the Holy Spirit begins to propel him into a very specific place. And I pray 
that God grant all of us that same revelation and the promise and in the joy of the promise that he has given us. The joy and the promise that God gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe shall not perish but have everlasting life. The, the joy and the promise that the babe came laid in a manger wrapped in swollen clothes. The, the promise that he came and lived life and showed us not only an example but also the very face of God. The, 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 the joy and the promise that Jesus gave his life that we might have life eternal. The promise and the joy and the promise that Christ has died. Christ has risen and Christ shall come again. And as we yield ourselves to the spirit of God, a joy should begin to bubble up inside of us as we see this promise of God at work. It is that joy and the promise that should propel us. It is that joy and the promise that should sustain us. It's that joy and the promise that should encourage us. It is that joy and the promise that should keep us. You see, it is the, the joy and the promise that blessed be the Lord our God, for he has visited the, and redeemed his people. That is our promise. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. It is our promise. And he has spoken by the mouth of the prophets from old. He, he, he has fulfilled the promise that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. You see, people of God, we are covenant people saved and rescued by God's hand. People of God, I submit to you that there is joy in God's promise. Do you feel it? The, the joy and the promise, there, there is great joy in the promise. In this Advent season, we should be constantly reminded of the joy and the promise that, that God himself joined the promise of God himself. We, we should find joy in the promise that he came just like he said he would. We, we should find joy in the promise that he saved us just like he said he would. We should find joy in the promise that he will come back just as he said he would. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Son, 